It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord and to know that His presence is with us. Would you help me welcome our campuses this morning that are joining with us? Those of you who are in our campuses today, uh, I am Pastor Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor of Love and Truth Ministries, and I want to welcome those of you who are in Cordova and in Savannah uh, and in, uh, in Henderson today. We welcome you. We're glad that you're with us today, and we trust that God has already ministered to you today, and we know that He is going to continue to minister by His Word. We've been talking about over the past few weeks, we've been talking about fulfilling my mission, that each and every one of us are given a mission in life. And, and the great thing about it is, is that if God has given you a mission, how many of you know He wants you to succeed? I mean, I, I believe with all of my heart that the Word of God says, He who has begun a good work in you, He will complete it. In other words, He didn't bring you out here to kind of just drop you on your head. He, he really put something inside of you. He gave you a mission. He gave you a, a reason to live. And as you begin to live that out, you begin to see his blessings, his power, his authority, and his anointing being released into your life. The first week we talked about why are we here? Why did God create us? Why did he make us? Why did he place us upon this planet? And, and we talked about basically there were two reasons and two reasons only in Scripture. And number one is, is that we were created so that we could gain a relationship with God Almighty. So that you and I could get to know God. Amen. Amen? Now think about this. If you're going to heaven, and I assume most of us are planning on that, right? I mean, you think it's hot here, all right? And, and so we're planning on going to heaven. Guess what? You're going to spend an eternity with who? God, right? And so we ought to get to know Him before we get there. And so the first purpose in life, the first reason in life is to get to know the Lord, to gain a relationship with Him. The second aspect of life or of why we are here is to find out our purpose. What is it that God has created us to do, and how do we go about living out this life? And then last week we talked about what are we to do? What am I to do in this world that I'm living in? And last week we kind of got right down to business, right? I mean, last week uh, I, I kind of talked to you about uh, taking up your cross and following Him, and, and we kind of talked about some specific issues in life and how we ought to live and what it really meant to be a Christian and, and not to just kind of show up on Sundays but to really have a relationship with God Almighty. But today I want to talk to you about how am I to live. Why am I here? What am I to do? And then today is, uh, how am I to live? So would you take your Bibles, let's go to the book of Philippians, uh, the third chapter of the New Testament book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul writing uh, to the church at Philippi, and, and let's read a couple of verses there in chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse number 7 and 8 says this, But what things were gained to me, those I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss. Do you, do you see a pattern here? I mean, you see he keeps talking about loss. Suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now, the apostle Paul is talking here. He's, he's lining it out. Now, let me explain to you who Paul was. Uh, Paul starts off in Scripture being referred to as Saul. He is known as Saul of Tarsus. 
And Saul, if you were to know anything about Saul, what you would find out about him is that Saul grew up on the right side of the tracks. He went to the right schools. He had the right education, and he went into the right profession. Saul was on the fast track to becoming the leader of the most powerful, influential religious entity of that day. Uh, he, the, the Bible says at one point he begins to describe he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was circumcised, and, and he goes through all the things that happened to him that made him the religious Jewish man that he was. And, and he, he begins to lay out even who, his, who, uh, who taught him. He talks about being taught and sitting at the feet of Gamaliel. Now, that doesn't mean much to us, but here's what that means in our day and age. That means he went to Princeton. That means he went to an Ivy League college. That means he was a professor at one of the most prestigious universities in the world. All right? I mean, this guy, if you were to look up the most likely to succeed, he's at the top of the list. He is the guy who everybody says, this guy's going somewhere. But one day he was going somewhere, and it was called the road to Damascus. Any of you ever read about the road to Damascus? Saul is going on the road to Damascus to persecute the church, and the Bible says is that as he is going, God meets him. Now, I want to tell you something about when God meets your life. When God meets you, it changes you. Now, now people who say they've met the Lord and still are the same way, I have trouble with. The Bible says that God meets him as a bright light shines from heaven. It knocks him to the ground, and he cries out, Lord, Lord, who art thou? And there's this voice that resonates from the heavenlies that says, I am Jesus who you persecute. He says, oh, I didn't know. I thought I was doing the right thing. What do I do? And through the process of the next three or four days, God totally transforms his life. Uh, although he is blinded for three days when he is baptized, uh, his eyes are open and he's able to see. And at that moment, his life takes a different path. And that's what he's talking about here in the book of Philippians. He says all of that stuff, everything that everybody has said about me and where my future was going, he said I count every bit of it as loss that I may gain what God has called me to. See, here's what the Apostle Paul found. The Apostle Paul found his purpose in life. See, I, here's, here's what I want to talk to you about today is how am I to live? Number one is, is you need to find your purpose. Now, I've talked a lot about purpose in this series because I believe that most of us don't know what our purpose is. I mean, isn't it interesting that Rick Warren wrote this little book on the purpose-driven life, and it was the number one bestseller for about three years in a row. It sold multiplied millions of copies, not just to Christians, but it sold to everybody because there's not anybody on earth who does not want to know what their purpose is. What is it I'm supposed to do? How am I supposed to live? What is it that God has for my life? And you say, Pastor, you've talked about this purpose thing, and you keep talking about it, but I don't know what mine is. How do I find out what my purpose is? Let me give you some things quickly to write down on how to find out your purpose, okay? Number one is narrow your focus. Narrow your focus. The Apostle Paul writing there, he said, all this stuff that I had, he said, I had a multiplicity of things. But he said, I counted all of that as loss that I may gain Christ. 
How many of you noticed? He narrowed his focus. Have you ever seen people who are always piddling and everything? Right? I mean, I tell you what, I don't want to go to a doctor for brain surgery who on the side, you know, shoes horses. You know, I, I don't need a lawyer who moonlights as a karaoke singer. I mean, I want, I want a guy who has a focus that this is the one thing I'm doing and, and this is what I am going to do with my life and my purpose. And it's bringing that narrowing. See, there's too many of us who are dabbling in everything. What is it that God's called you to do? You have to come to that place of saying, wait a minute, th this is what I'm to do. This is what God's called me into, and I'm going to narrow that focus, and I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Listen, I, I want to tell you something. I'm your pastor, and I love you, and, and, and I'll pray for you and all those things. Uh, but, but if you really need surgery, don't call me. You don't want me to operate on you. You say, well, you're my spiritual leader. Yeah, but you don't want me to get a sharp knife. So why don't you lay down here? I, I just feel like, you know, I've, I've watched enough shows about doctors on television. And, and I'm, I'm just ready to operate on you. you. You know, why? Because that's not my focus. And so in your life, if you want to find out what your purpose is, the Apostle Paul said, I, I, I discounted all that. I laid everything aside that I might gain Jesus Christ. And so you've got to do that. The second aspect of finding your, your purpose in life is, is found in verse 9. Would you look at verse 9? He said, and to be found in him, speaking of Jesus, not having my own righteousness. How many of you are glad it's not up to you? Wow. I mean, I found out years ago my righteousness is junk. Right? I mean, he says it's, it's filthy rags. You don't even want me to describe what that means. Uh, he says, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. The, the second aspect of finding your purpose is you've got to understand to find your purpose, you've got to live by faith. Now, I want to tell you something about living by faith. It is the most exciting life possible. It's scary. There, there are moments when you kind of have everything lined out. So some, of, some of you are real, uh, what's the word I want? Real analytical. I had several others, but, uh, you, you know, you like everything kind of lined out, and you want to know, okay, it's this, this, and this. And, and so I, I've got it all lined up. And, and, and you, you know, you never go anywhere on a whim. You never do anything on a whim. You never, you know. Now, I'm not that way. I'm, I'm just not. I mean, I, I kind of wake up in a new world every day. It's kind of like, all right, what do we get to do today? What do we get to tear up now? I mean, that's kind of the way I live life. What can I mess up today that somebody else gets to fix? <laughs> right? Not quite that bad. Um, now, I live with another person. We're married, in case you were wondering, for 30, almost 33 years. And uh, she's the analytical one. She's the one who dots all the I's and crosses all the T's. But what we have learned in almost 33 years of marriage is this, is that if you really want to fulfill your purpose in life, you've got to live by faith. And, and sometimes that faith is straight up, and it's so exciting, and you, you, you're just hanging on saying, okay, come on, Jesus. But sometimes... 
sometimes that faith goes whoosh. The Bible says we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. We, we don't live this life by what we see. Because I'm going to tell you, there are times that what we see will destroy us. I mean, you're, you look at a situation. In fact, the Lord just has been speaking to me over the, the past few weeks, and I mentioned it in prayer uh, just recently, but, but that we need to start speaking what we're believing for. That we need to, again, begin to allow our faith to be expressed through our words. Because I, I want to tell you, there are moments when you're walking with God and, and you're, you're living this life of purpose that, that all you've got is faith. You know, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I heard a guy say years ago that only those who see the invisible can do the impossible. I mean, you, you have to get past this point of, of having to be able to see it, map it out, and have a GPS to get you there. Wouldn't it be wonderful? No, it wouldn't, but we think it would. We think that it would be wonderful that on the day we were born that we were handed a Bible with our name inscribed from heaven that angels bear into the birthing room and they present it to our parents and on there it has your name. And then it has, you know, it starts off Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and goes all the way to the book of Revelation. And then you have the concordance, and then you have the maps, right? But at the end of the maps, then there would be this whole addendum that would be your life, and it would tell you every day what you were supposed to do. People say, oh, that would, Pastor, that would, oh, that would just be wonderful. That would drive you absolutely crazy. I mean, you'd flip over three years from now and see you're getting ready to go through a valley. You'd flip over two years from now and see you're getting ready to lose your job. Right? I mean, you, you, you flip over five years and you see you're getting ready to go through a sickness in your, in your marriage and in your family. I mean, all of a sudden you go, oh, I don't want to know. Why? Because God knows we need to live this life by faith. And part of finding my purpose is being willing to step out in faith and say, God, I am going to do what you've called me to do even when I don't see what the next step is. And even when I don't know what I'm going to be doing tomorrow, I am going to follow you. The, the third aspect of finding your purpose is in verse 10. We just, we're just transitioning through this scripture in this passage. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. Now, I've had people say, well, pastor, what that means is that everybody has to suffer a whole lot. Everybody has to die. No, no, no. Uh, it, read that again. It says, and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. Now, Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation. You're going to go through some things. But when it's talking about his suffering and his death, it means that we are identifying with what he's already done. And what it's saying is, the Apostle Paul, now listen to this. This is the Apostle Paul saying this. Y'all know who the Apostle Paul is? I just told you. The guy wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's the, you know, he's the guy who can even withstand the Apostle Peter and call him down. And this guy's, you know, he, he's the man. And yet, this is at, at later on in his life, and he says that I may know him. He's been walking with God for years, but he's still saying that I may know him. See, the third aspect of finding your purpose is, is that you've got to continually pursue God. You've got to be pursuing him. 
The psalmist said this. He said, as the deer pants after the water, so my soul longs for thee, O God. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that this deer, in my mind, it's, it's, it's a hunter uh, pursuing a deer. And he's been chasing that deer. He's been running that deer. And that deer is, is just, I mean, he's about out. Uh, and and he's, he's just thirsty. He's got to get some water to sustain him. And the Bible says, as a deer pants after the water. You ever been thirsty? Come on, you ever been just really dried out and thirsty and you just needed? I mean, if somebody would just give, kind of like you are right now as I'm talking about it. You know, just come on, I, I need a drink. Or That's how we've got to be about God. We've, we've got to pursue him. We've got to be going after him. Verse 11 and 12 goes on. It says, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already attained, the apostle Paul said, or am already perfected, but he said, I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. The fourth aspect of this purpose thing is, is that you've got to keep moving. If I want to really live out my purpose and know what it is, I've got to keep moving. I, I want to tell you something about purpose. Purpose changes. Purpose moves. Purpose is alive. It's not something you lock in and say, oh, this is it. It is something that is, is, is going forward. Purpose, here's what purpose really is. Purpose is when you know and understand what you were born to accomplish. What were you born to accomplish? Just breathe up air and die? Oh, I was born to accomplish. I, boy, if I could just make $15 an hour. You make $15 an hour and then you'll want $25. All right? <clears throat> Excuse me. You'll, you'll, we'll, uh, you'll buy the latest, greatest whatever and somebody will ding it. Ever bought a new car? Drove to Walmart? Drove to Macy's? Parked it in the parking lot? Came back out? Somebody in a rusted out Ford <laughs> just slammed their door right into you, and you go, oh, that's not purpose. Purpose is bigger than that. I want to tell you something. You were created to have a life of significance, so you've got to find your purpose. But secondly, and there's, there's three aspects. That, secondly, look at verse 13, and I'm going to be quick with this. He said, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forget, there's that narrowing again, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. The second thing you've got to do, I've got to find my purpose, but secondly, I've got to forget the past. Now, I know we're all religious people, so I'll look at the camera and talk to the campuses. How many of you have some bad things in your past? Would you hold your hand up? Now, see, there's people just lying in church right now. They're just sitting there, oh, not me. I was born with the Holy Spirit from my mother's womb and never had a bad thought, never done a bad thing. Well, I want to tell you, I've got some messes I don't want anybody to know about. i got some stuff in my past that I'm ashamed of. Don't come asking because I'm not telling you. <laughs> I mean, there, there's some stuff back there uh, that, that I just, I, I wouldn't want to brag about. I just soon, and, and, and what I really love is when somebody reminds me of it. Any of you got the elephants in your life? They say elephants never forget. I don't know how they know that, but you, anybody got any people like that in your life? One of the reasons when I, when I went uh, 
to pastor years ago in Adamsville, and I was 25 years old, and I had graduated from high school in Savannah. One of the, one of the reasons I did not want to go there was because I'd graduated from high school there. And, you know, I wasn't walking up and down the hall laying hands on the sick and having them recover and speaking words of wisdom and words of knowledge as I walked down the hall. So, and, and there was always somebody coming and say, oh, I remember you. I went, uh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so you got to forget that stuff. you got to forget the bad thing. The, la- the latter part of Jeremiah 31, 34 says this, For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Praise God. I don't know how exciting that is to you, but that's exciting to me to know that the Bible says my sins are as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against me anymore. God's taking care of my sin. Listen, you may still remember and you may still come up and remind me, but here's what I'm going to tell you. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, and who, but who walk after the Spirit. See, I've been set free. So I, I, I leave all the bad things back there. Uh, but, but I want to tell you, not only should you leave the bad, you also should leave the good. Have you ever been to a t-ball game or, or a junior pro football game and, and you see the frustrated jock dad there? Come on, you know who I'm talking about, the guy who played quarterback in high school standing on the sideline screaming at the six-year-old kid to kill him, take him out. That kid's more interested in turning flips than he is taking anybody out. He wants to lay on the ground, pull his helmet off, and slam it up and down. And, and Dad's over here just, you know, stroking out. You know, it reminds me of that old Bruce Springsteen uh, song, Don't Judge Me, and uh, Glory Days. Anybody remember Glory Days where he talked about it's, it's about a high school jock who all he can do is remember his glory days in high school. I, I want to tell you, if you're 50 years old, get over it. You know, even if you played, you know, I know some professional ball players, and I, I was with one a while back. He's a pastor now. We were talking. He said, he said, Eddie, he said, he said, he played for Dallas Cowboys, and he, he said, uh, he said, from the time I went to college uh, all the way through my professional career for 12 years, he said, somebody else carried my luggage. He said, somebody else booked my plane. He said, I didn't know how to do anything. He said, in fact, he said, the first time I went to the airport by myself after I was let go by the Dallas Cowboys, I didn't have a clue what I was supposed to do. He said, my wife looked at me a little bit later and said, why don't you get over it? See, some of you just need to, oh, help me. It, you, listen, the good is, is good, but you got to move on. you you, you got to quit reliving the glory days. See, here's what I found out, and I love this about God. God never consults your past to determine your future. I mean, he, he doesn't, whether it's good or whether it's bad. He does not go and say, okay, let me, let me look at your path. Oh, no, 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 you can't. No, no, wait a minute. Have you seen the people God used in Scripture? I mean, he used prostitutes. He used murderers. He used drunkards. Wow. I mean, he used all kinds of people. He, he even ministered to people who'd been married six times and was shacking up. And used her to become an evangelist that won a whole city. Can you imagine the churches of that city after she came in proclaiming Jesus as the evangelist? Well, do you know where she's been? 
character. You know who she's living with. Oh, hallelujah. See, God never consults my past to determine my future. Now, here's what I found out. Success is never final, and failure is never fatal. The Bible says it this way. It says, the righteous man falls seven times, but arises again. It's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up. I said this to you last week, but I want to reiterate it to you. And I want you to hear me. Never make a permanent decision because of a temporary situation. Don't, don't get all locked up in your past and what's happened back there. Understand that the Bible says it this way. God's mercies are new every morning. I don't know about you, but I love that scripture. His mercies are new every morning. So I've got to find my purpose. I've got to forget the past. But lastly, look at verse 14. The apostle Paul said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The third thing I've got to do is I've got to face the future. I've got to face the future. I recently read a, uh, a book by a business exec called True North. And he kept talking about facing into things, facing into things. I thought, what does that mean? And so, so I did some research. And just what that means is that no matter what's coming in your, into your life, good, bad, you're facing into it. You are going into what you are supposed to do. You and I have been called of God. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, I press toward the goal of the prize. I want to tell you, there's a prize. There's a prize. Now, I don't know about you, but I love a prize. That's why I used to buy Cracker Jacks. <laughs> I don't really like Cracker Jack, but there's a prize. It may be a temporary tattoo, but it's a prize. It may be a plastic spider, but it's a prize. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let me, let me share something with you as we come to a close today. The poorest people on earth are not those who don't have any money. The poorest people on earth are those who are without dreams. When you no longer have dreams, you're bankrupt. I, I know, you, listen, we're, we're in a tough economy right now. I don't know how many of you have realized that. Some of you have lost tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of dollars in the last few years. And, and if we're not careful, we'll get into our shell and, and, and we'll find a cave over here and we'll dig a hole and bury everything we've got. But I want to tell you, in the midst of this recession, people are still making money. Businesses are still starting. And people are still becoming millionaires. It's whether or not your mentality says, oh, the sky is falling, or this is an opportunity that God has given me in my life. And, and so you, you've got to be a person of dreams. Uh, I believe today that there is potential inside of you to accomplish something worthwhile. I believe God's placed it there. If, if God started this work in you, the Scripture says he will complete it. You, you, you didn't just show up on this earth by accident. Somebody may have told you you were an accident, but you're not. God's given you a purpose. God's given you a dream. A lot of times we live this life and, and we, we, we don't have a vision for our life. It's kind of like we just meander day and night. And, and I know I talk a lot about this, but I want to tell you, I think it's one of the most spiritual principles that there is in the Word of God. 
is that God has given us vision. You know, it was Helen Keller that said uh, years ago, she said that the worst thing in the world is for somebody to be able to see but have no vision. Now, here's a woman who can't see and is deaf and, and has all the handicaps, but she is looking at her life and saying, even in my blind state, I can see. There's a lot of people who can't see because they sell themselves short of what God has called them to do. See, you were designed perfectly to accomplish what God called you to. You're not like somebody else. Quit comp- the Bible says that when you compare yourself with yourself, you're unwise. In other words, when you look around at somebody else, and I don't care if it's your identical twin, you are not called to do what they're called to do. God's, God's got a different plan for your life. God's got something great for your life. And what we've got to do is, is that we've got to brush away the cobwebs and we've got to say, wait a minute, God has called me to do something. The Apostle Paul could have given up. He could have quit. He could have laid it aside. He could have said, it's not worth it. What am I doing in a jail cell? Why am I not living the, the abundance that I've talked about? But he said, no, 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 there's a purpose. And he said, there's a crown that's laid up for me. And he went on to say, not for me only, but he said, for all those who are coming after me. All of those who understand that God has called them to do something powerful with their life. Let me tell you this. You were not born to do everything, but you were born to do something. And when you get a hold of what that something is in your life that you are called to do, life becomes full. was a lady who a few years ago in her teenage years was athletic. She was well-known. She was a swimmer. She was well-liked and popular in school. But one day she dove into a pond, and in the process of that, broke her neck and became a paraplegic. And at that moment, her whole life changed. And to many people, that would have been the point in time that life would be over. No longer can I do what I want to do. I can't go by myself anywhere. Somebody has to take me. Somebody has to take care of me. And yet, her life from that point on has impacted literally millions of people across the world. Her name is Johnny Erickson Tata. Most of you have heard of her. Most of you have seen her on some television program or you have seen a painting that she has done, not with her hands but with her mouth. You have heard her speak about the things that God has done through her life. And we would look at that life and say, oh, how horrible that is. And in the natural, that is a horrible thing. But you know what? God takes all things and he works them together for our good. And if we will only understand that even in the midst sometimes of great tragedy, we still have a purpose. So you know what I'm going to tell you today? I don't know where you are. I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know what you've experienced over the past months and years of your life. But here's what I do know. No matter what you have experienced, God still has a purpose for your life. God still wants you to do something great with your life. It's your choice. He won't force you. He won't make you. Great potential means nothing until you put it into gear and say, God's called me to do something for him. I don't know what that is. 
but here's what I know. If he can use the Apostle Paul, who stood and literally gave the sentence for the execution of Stephen, who became the martyr of the church, and yet God still took him and used him for his glory. I don't know what your past is. I don't know what has happened back there. But I can tell you, I know what your future is if you'll commit it to Jesus Christ. He will take your ashes and he will bring beauty. He will take your weeping and he will bring joy. Wherever you are in life today, I want to challenge you. Find out what it is that God has for your life and fulfill your potential in him.